0: Red Sea! Welcome in to another episode of the Morning Scramble presented by Verizon Wireless. I'm your host, Felipe Corral Jr. And Rolando, we're basically the vets at this point, right? We've been on the show for a couple of weeks and we have two new special guests to our breakfast club. I'd like to introduce team reporter, Danny Cerec, and Cardinals insider, Darren Urban. Before we move on, Danny, what are you looking forward to on the Morning Scramble?
1: I'm just excited to get a chat up with you guys. I'm just a rookie. I'm excited to get my first start. It's going to be fun.
0: Hey, Darren, I don't think you're ready for the Rolando special. Rolando, let's sh- let's show Darren what he's working with on this victory Monday. The Cardinals are 6-0 for the first time since 1974, defeating the Cleveland Browns in Week 6, 37-14. Rolando, let's show Darren what he's in for here on the morning. Well, because,
2: because, Felipe, because Danny and Darren are here, they're filling in for our great crew. Look at this. This is our breakfast club over here at Casa Cantu. It's a chorizo and egg torta. It's got a crust of chihuahua cheese somewhere. And I topped it off with some uh, ham that I had in the fridge. So, guys, uh, I'll be dining into this um, here shortly. Welcome to the Morning Scramble. How are you?
1: Dang, there's only one for you?
2: Yeah. Well, the uh, thing is, we, we, our producer, Jacob, says that we're eventually going to get together, but I doubt it with
3: with everything that's going on right now in the world. Yeah, well, Man, with, well everything that's that. go- with everything that's going on in the world, Rolando, how about with everything that's going on just with this team? I mean, that's, that's the problem right now, unfortunately
0: darren i just want to double check real quick have you ever ate a chorizo and ham torta like the one that rolando picked uh, up for you today
3: i've not had it on a torta i have had uh chorizo and ham uh okay. my brother enjoys c- cooking t- uh, chorizo quite a bit so i've had quite a bit of it but not uh not on a torta
0: as
2: I soon as we the, told Rol-
1: display on that plate too my goodness
2: yeah no no we, we get a little fancy sometimes we, i i brought some ketchup in case darren Wanted to oh. see the catch up, but I think oh. he's all right. He, he needs to push through today. He had a long trip, guys. Long trip to Cleveland. But hey, Darren, welcome back with a victory, man. Well,
3: I wish I could say I did something other than sat there and watched it. But uh it, it look, it was a it was a great win, you guys. I mean, we all know how that kind of played out. Not having your head coach, not having your quarterbacks coach, not having three key defensive players. Uh, and really the you know the the tension that builds in a situation like that, where every morning a positive test could possibly take somebody away. Even Kyler Murray, I had asked him about the mental strain about it. And he even said, uh, at practice Friday when he was talking to the other quarterbacks into Cam Turner, you know, it would suck if any of us got COVID and then Cam Turner and Cliff Kingsbury tested positive later that day. Uh, and that's, that's what they're running into. I mean, Sunday morning, uh, I was all ready to go on the radio show that I'm normally on three hours before kickoff, and I missed the first segment because the news came down, Corey Peters tested positive. So it's, um, it's a scary kind of situation, and, and we'll see what happens because it's, it's kind of ongoing. I mean, with the way the rules are set up, there's a very real possibility any of these guys, maybe aside from Chandler Jones, could miss the Houston game as well, and that includes Cliff Kingsbury. So we'll see what happens.
0: And that's your Cardinals insider, Darren. I know you don't like to knock on wood. I know you don't believe in jinxes or anything like that. But I'm gonna knock on wood. I really <laughs> hope that none of I hope none of these players end up with COVID throughout the entire season. But let's transition over to the main dish, uh, already brought to you by this torta that Rolando made. Uh, before we get into all the nits and grits, the highlights, the top plays. Let's hear from. Interim head coach for week six, Vance Joseph, and a special uh, message from owner Michael Bidwell.
2: That is awesome, okay? That's a great, great team win, guys, in all three phases, man, right? This is part of the story, right? It's part of the story, man. Leadership, awesome all week, guys, all week. No one wavered, no one blinked, okay? Moving forward, man, don't change that. It's working out, Michael, you got it, baby. Guys, you know I don't speak after games, but obviously, with Cliff not here, he's on uh, FaceTime right here. Oh,
0: oh, oh. Oh, 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 I,
3: what you guys did today was extraordinary, and, and special shout outs. Uh, Spencer did an
2: incredible job. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. so, yeah.
2: yeah. VJ, yeah. Coach yeah. Coogs.
3: So many, so many incredible odds stacked against us for what what we just went through and what we all just experienced and what I experienced. But what it came down to was the amazing character in this locker room, and the amazing leadership in this locker room, and you guys sticking together. And for those reasons, everybody,
2: staff and players, get a game ball. Let's go, Cardinals! Six zero,
0: baby. I think I can speak for all the Arizona Cardinals fans. What a time to be alive. The Arizona Cardinals 6-0. and And I think I can speak for all of us that Vance Joseph had a phenomenal defensive game plan. Kyler Murray uh, had an outstanding game. We'll start off with you, Danny. What did you like from this offense yesterday?
1: Yeah, I like that the offense seemed to keep calm and kind of work through the adversity. It seemed maybe in the beginning of the game, uh, the biggest effect of not having the offensive coordinator, the play caller, and Cliff and Kingsbury there was communication and just uh, Kyler maybe reading the defenses and taking the uh, the clock down and having to call two timeouts in the first quarter. But the offense seemed to kind of collect themselves and, and push through that adversity, and that's what stood out to me from their performance.
0: Rolando, there's a lot of talk about missing Rodney Hudson, how that offensive line was going to adjust, how Kyler Murray was going to adjust. And now you don't have Cliff Kingsbury, But Max Garcia filling in for Rodney Hudson. Let me read you something. He is the only offensive lineman that didn't allow a quarterback pressure in week six. He had a team high 83.9 pass blocking grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, what did you like for Max Garcia and that offensive line yesterday?
2: They plugged away, man. They, they actually put their head on, you know, down and, and they just went to work. And I think once you see a Max Garcia, w- once that first fumble game that hit, hit Kyler, that that snap that hit Kyler Murray on, on, on one of his hips, you're like, oh, my God, this is going to start really wrong. But it wasn't Max Garcia's fault. It was Kyler Murray looking away, trying to, you know, bring in uh, Chase Edmonds. And it didn't happen. So, Uh, I like what Max Garcia is presenting. He is a veteran. He's a proven veteran. And he's stepping up to his role. We know once Rodney comes back, it's going to be his position. But meanwhile, you have a veteran presence who knows what he's doing. And I think the demeanor, I don't know if you guys saw closely the line of scrimmage. Every single time hands were put on from Max Garcia to somebody else on that D-line for uh, the Browns, there was a little chatter afterwards. There was a little little, little, uh, toughness there going on between every single play. And I loved it, man. He brings a, a you know a certain dynamic to this offensive line, and I think eventually once he gets um, in in a, in a more rhythm, we'll see him produce more. And I, I like him, man. Max Garcia is a pro's Pros, I think he's definitely was a great pickup when we picked him up a couple of years back.
0: Darren, if there's a area of this entire team that was most affected by you know all the positive uh, tests. Other positive COVID tests. It was that defensive line, obviously missing Corey Peters, Zach Allen, uh, Chandler Jones. But they held this Browns rushing offense that coming into week six, they were averaging 187 rush yards. They held them to three in week six. What you see from that defensive line and, and that defense in general that really impressed you?
3: Well, essentially, guys, I mean, when you're talking about a team that is missing its head coach that calls all the plays and you have all the questions over how the offense is going to play, I I do think the defense was under a little bit of pressure. Now, they say they weren't. They say they they've always have the the same standard as always, and I believe that, Um, but I think it was crucial with the way they played. And, you know, you can look to the offense and the fact that the offense scored on all five of their uh, first half possessions I thought was amazing, uh, given the circumstances. But the reason it made a difference was because the defense was able to completely stymie the Browns. Now, the Browns were missing their starting offensive tackles, both of them. They were missing their best running back. And Baker Mayfield is not playing great football right now either. So um, there was some of that. But, you know, J.J. Watt, I thought, continued to play excellent football, uh, which he has the last three weeks. The fact Rashard Lawrence only played three snaps because he got hurt uh, on top of everything else. Uh, could only have have, have bothered that group. But yet Jordan Phillips, who I think it was like kind of a last-second decision to even bring him up with all the COVID tests, he ended up playing 21 snaps, graded over 80 for pro football focus. And, again, the grades from pro football focus, you take them with a grain of salt. They don't know everything. But I think the fact that Phillips was able to give you 20 snaps, which was more than I thought he was going to be able to play, was a huge deal. So they held up. The offense did their job, too, giving – defense, a lead that they could kind of like lean on i mean the browns got away from the run for a lot of the game and when they went back to it they were effective they just couldn't go back to it very much because of the way the game went so defensively you can't ask for anything more from this team you know they forced three turnovers uh yeah three turnovers they had five sacks they had three more fourth down stops i mean this defense even without people which we saw the week before when they didn't have the cornerbacks They still play at a high level. It's really kind of amazing. And it speaks to where Vance Joseph has this group.
0: Hey, let me ask you guys something. And I doubt you guys are going to be able to answer this. What do you guys think maybe your extended family was doing in 1934? my extended family
2: a couple generations
1: yeah. ago
0: yeah yeah what do you guys think i know it's it's a it's 1934 but i just i'm setting something up for you guys just so putting things into perspective i should say rolando let's start with you what do you think your your family was doing in 1930
2: well, both my parents were born in 1933
0: so i guess they were one years old right and Gina, know so what it they're, they're they're getting planned danny if you could take a a wild guess
1: yeah, my parents would want to make sure that they were not born in 1934. In 1934 they'd want to, yeah, um, gosh, I have I have no idea. They were somewhere in in Texas, so I'm gonna say probably something more stereotypical with horses or on land or something like that.
0: Darren, you're more knowledgeable about history, right? You uh, Stop the family tree,
3: Darren. Felipe, is, is that your nice way of saying I'm older? So I probably... no, it's not. <laughs> I'm
0: saying you're an encyclopedia. Encyclopedia, I mean, you my, know a lot parents,
3: of stuff. My parents, my parents, my Father, who uh, rest in peace he wasn't even born until 1940 so my grandparents I know that his parents my grandfather I believe was working for the post office in beautiful Detroit Michigan uh, and my other grandparents were both in the military so I'm guessing it was something like that uh, but I'll be honest I haven't done a lot of uh, you know research on uh, 1934 and, and where my uh, family tree was <laughs> at that point
0: All right. I set the table for you all because four of the six wins have been on the road and each of those four road wins have been by 12 points or more or more. Only one other team in NFL history has done that. And that is the 1934 Chicago Bears. So just putting into perspective what the Cardinals are doing so far this year is impressive and can be taken lightly, even though at a national level, I think we can all say that. They'll most likely never get the love that they deserve. Right, Darren?
3: So so the bottom line is that the, the Cardinals of 1934 know about that Bears team because they were playing in the same city at that point.
0: Exactly. See how everything just comes together? Darren, wow, you made my point. You know, like, you're just like this encyclopedia just knowing everything. So that's it. That's it for that segment for our main dish. Let's move on to That's My Jam, our favorite moment of the game. And Danny, who you got?
1: Yeah, my, that's my jam play was J.J. Watt's strip sack in the third quarter. Uh, it was recovered by linebacker Devon Kennard and the Cardinals offense did what they do best, which was score seven points off the turnover. This was exciting because... JJ Watt has come so close so many times this season to getting his first sack as an Arizona Cardinal, and he finally got it. But why this is my big play of the game was because it was a momentum shifter. The Cardinals scored on all five of their drives in the first half. However, that first half ended with that Browns 57-yard Hail Mary touchdown. And so they had the momentum going into the second half, and it showed through the Cardinals they had to punt on their first two possessions. However, after this strip sack by JJ Watt, the Cardinals scored. Board on their next two drives. And so that's why that's my jam. That's what led them to scoring points on the board again and, and putting the game away.
0: At some point we knew JJ Wilde was gonna get some type of sack. Thankfully it was a strip sack, nothing more impressive than that. Darren, I have an idea of who you're gonna pick, but hey, surprise me.
3: Okay. Well, uh, because I know everybody out there wants to hear me say, this was my jam. <laughs> um, it would have been DeAndre Hopkins' 13-yard uh, touchdown catch, which really was amazing. I mean, if you look uh, bigger picture, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins only had three catches for 55 yards, but he scored two touchdowns. He drew two pass interference penalties. And, you know, I was on a radio interview over the weekend to, with a national, uh, a national show, and the, and the, the guy kind of said, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, still very good. I don't con- – you know, this was he what he was saying – I don't consider him one of the best in the league anymore, but he's still pretty good, and I kind of had to say timeout here. The the problem with DeAndre Hopkins this year is going to be that uh, he's not going to put up the numbers he put up last year, and that's actually okay. He put up the numbers he put up last year because they did not have the weapons and because they were in a different place offensively, and they're in a totally different place. That doesn't mean DeAndre Hopkins is any less of a receiver, and I think you saw that Sunday. Again, only three catches – uh, gets wide open on the second touchdown, running that route that I believe he ran earlier in the year, and it's just a fantastic route to get him wide open. I don't know who drew up that play originally, but it really works well. But that first touchdown, they catch this short screen pass. There's three Browns around him. You know, uh, Vice President of Media Relations Mark Dalton tweeted out the screenshot. I mean, in the in the moment in the screenshot of right when DeAndre catches the ball and turns to the goal line. There is no room. There is no way he's going. Not only is he not getting to the goal line, he's not getting past the 10-yard line, and yet he's able to spin. And after he gets hit, the will to get into the end zone, to force his way over there through the tackles, that, that might have been one of his better plays. Uh, I guess I'm not going to top the Hale Murray, but that, drawing the penalties earlier, the big play down the field, the other touchdown, I mean, again, You can't look at just numbers with him. I think he's having a fantastic season, and I really look forward to this week. If there is a week they're going to try and force-feed him the ball, it's going to be against Houston.
0: Rolando, if there's a player on this team that deserves that amazing torta that you just made, is this specific linebacker who's having a very low-key season but highly productive? Who you got?
2: My jam's got to be Marcus Golden-Strip Sack in the second quarter. This guy off the left side I mean he had a clean shot guys clean shot to the quarterback to Baker Baker did a little move kind of missed him but he didn't stop moving his legs he, he pursued him till I, I don't know what Baker was thinking because Baker said okay I, I got rid of the pressure let me scan down down the field see if I can connect with somebody and that didn't happen he never saw Marcus just continue to overcome the blocks and uh yeah that was pretty amazing to see at that point I believe we were up 14-0 once you get a strip sack in in a great field position, it's like okay, guys, let's go. This is this is the our shot to kind of put a, a start hammering away at, at these Cleveland Browns. So I thought that was a, an important play for our defense. I saw the 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 image of uh, Vance Joseph celebrating this on the sideline. It was like okay, guys, we talked about this during the week. There will be opportunities. And Marcus Golden, guys, let's be honest, there, this guy never takes never takes a rep off. He is always 125 miles an hour ahead, full speed ahead. I really like him. I like his story. He was with us, went to the Giants, came back, was really grateful for the organization to kind of get him back in the building and look what he's doing now. Obviously, you know, we had some, um, some big uh, components there on the D-line that were not there for that game. And I think Marcus Golden definitely, along with J.J., really stepped up for this game.
0: And the only reason that I say he's been having a very low key productive season is because through six games, he's one of four players in the NFL that has forced three uh, fumbles. He has four sacks, a couple of QB hits, just impressive what he's been able to do just under the radar. He took a pick at to stay with the Arizona Cardinals and it's paying off for them. So I end this segment by talking about that A.J. Green touchdown grab, because for me, that was just, you know, the cherry on top. You find AJ Green and you see him in one-on-one coverage. You put that ball perfectly over his shoulder and it's just a testament to all the weapons that they have on offense. I mean, who do you cover once you're in the red zone? And now you add tight end Zach Ertz, You're kind of like Again, we hear we've heard it all throughout the season. It's pick your poison type of thing, and now you add Zach Ertz, and you're. I'm assuming you're gonna have more one-on-one matchups, out right or out left with AJ Green, and you can just see the emotion on Kyler's face once he once he did throw that touchdown. So, it's all trending up even higher than it's already been trending for the Arizona Cardinals offense, and it's only going to get better. AJ Green, it's the third time in the last four weeks where he leads the team in receiving yards. And to your point, Darren, it's not that DeAndre Hopkins isn't one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You just got to share the ball. Like Kyler Murray says, he wishes everybody would like to eat. And I think we're seeing a, a perfect example of how versatile they are on offense. So... That'll do it for that. To my jam, let's move over to uh fa- our favorite player of the game. That are rise and shine, someone that really impressed you, overcame expectations, overcame adversity. You name it. But Danny, you gotta make a an, an, a special entrance, right? You're not necessarily choosing a player for this one.
1: I know. I don't know if I'm breaking the rules on my first morning scramble, (laughs) but I'm just going to do it anyway, right? You don't ask for permission. You just ask for forgiveness. I'm not choosing a player for my rise and shine. I'm choosing defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, who stepped in and took over those head coaching responsibilities for Cliff Kingsbury, who was out with COVID-19. And Vance Joseph has experience as a head coach. He was in Denver for two years in that role. So he understands the responsibilities and the leadership that's required, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's an easy task when you only have what, like, 48, maybe like 72 hours to know that that's going to be your role on game day and and to have the players buy into that, especially with so many players that they had out because of COVID. I was just really impressed with the way the team responded to all that adversity. And Darren, you touched on it earlier. This defense still had a phenomenal game with Three takeaways. They held the best rushing offense in the league to just 73 rushing yards. So my rise and shine goes to Vance Joseph for the way that he led this team and the coaching staff, who a lot of other coaches had to step up into different responsibilities as well. I was impressed with the way that he handled that.
0: And they didn't allow any points in the second half. I think that's something that a lot of people were so into the final score and the Cardinals putting up 37 points without certain people on that offensive side. But to not allow the Browns to score in the second half, just truly impressive. Again, stopping them three times or yeah, three times on on fourth down. Uh, Just impressive. Byron Murphy, Robert Alford had extraordinary games. Another pair of guys that have been under the radar nobody really talks about them but Darren there's another person on that coaching staff that really had uh, well a surprising role right heading into week six but he actually overcame expectations
3: yeah and I got to be honest before I get to him I want to I do want to have an honorable mention to uh, Jeff Rogers the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator co- co-head coaching with with Vance and being able to uh, kind of organize things. I mean, Jeff Rogers is definitely the, the the guy, the details guy in a lot of ways, and I think he was important heading into this game, especially with a short notice on Cliff Kingsbury. But uh, my guy is going to be Spencer Whipple, who he's an assistant wide receivers coach, and this team uses essentially three wide receivers coaches. They have Sean Jefferson, the main one. They have Jerry Sullivan, the offensive assistant who's been around forever one time, Cardinals offensive coordinator back when I first started covering the team in 2003 and so he he's got a lot of knowledge there but Spencer Whipple is a guy that's very much under the radar was a college coach coming in when he got hired by Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime uh, he had coached wide receivers for most of his time uh, at UMass and then his last year which happened to be Andy Isabella's last year at UMass he moved over to quarterbacks and the and that side of the ball so he's a he's a very uh analytical guy he knows the offense very well cliff kingsbury was most confident in his kind of thought process when it comes to calling this game and when you think about cliff kingsbury coaching all week in practice and not knowing until friday afternoon that he's not going to be available and then all of a sudden spencer whipple being a guy saying okay not only have you never done this but you're going to have to now do this live and you're really not going to have any uh practice time to do it. I mean, all the practice is over. They had a walkthrough on Saturday, but the, the, the actual practice time where you actually could get into it a little bit, no, you're gonna. it's going to be live and it counts the first time you do it. And the fact that he was able to pull that off, I think Spencer, who is a guy I know and, and I like him a lot, uh, I think the way he did things, and it's it was all the coaches, obviously, but I think the way he was able to pull that off, I think, I mean, he deserves a huge pat on the back.
0: Rolando, Danny, there's been, you know, infamous audible calls throughout history, right? The Omaha, you, you you remember Jared Goff with the Halle Berry. Like, what should Darren's audible call be? You know, he, he comes on the show for the first time. he You know, he calls some type of audible. Like, what should his call be? Oh, man. I'll put you on the spot. Rolando, you have one? I think Darren uh, most definitely
2: can go... Um beat writer, beat writer, or something like that. <laughs> you know, just kind of in the groove. Right. or Right. Darren. I mean, that, that'll, that'll be pretty much,
0: that'll be a, Danny. All right. What you got? What, what's his audible car?
3: Make something yeah. up. Come on.
1: Um, what isn't, isn't your Twitter handle? Is it cards chatter? Earth's I could like be chatter. like chatter, 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 I, I, chatter, 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 I, know chatter, chatter, known that chatter. Already,
3: Danny. I can't believe you're having to ask me. I'm going to go, sorry. Ahead, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, go. If I have mine, uh, I'm going to go true or false, and quite frankly, if you know, you know. True or false? I'm going to do that, which that's, I don't think any of you know. But I don't know. It, so that's your small portion. They're going to listen.
2: They're, they're going to be able to hear you. The the wide receiver out there won't hear you, Darren. That
0: be, that's Darren. That's too lengthy. <laughs> true or false? True or false? You know, like. Car shatter, car shatter, beat writer, beat writer. See, that's that flows better off the time. Uh, no? I don't
3: know about that, but okay, I'll take your um, word for it. We'll work right,
0: on it. Uh, true or false, true or false, my honorable mention. Audible, audible, audible. <laughs> it's Jordan Hicks, to be honest. Before I get over to my my uh, rise and shine you know he matched a single season high in sacks with three the last time he did that was in 2018 with the Philadelphia Eagles and we're only six weeks you know through the season he leads the team in tackles and everything that he's gone through just I had to call the true or false for him just because you know it's Jordan Hicks but (laughs) my rise and shine has to be Kyler Murray I mean no coach no head coach no play caller no position coach and you just go out there and you put on a performance. I mean, four touchdowns, no turnovers, you know, 20 completions. And 10 of those 20 completions were for, you know, 10 plus yards. And we had 180 yards from passes that were longer than 10 yards and uh three touchdowns in those spans, 100, 157 quarterback rating, uh, passing you know, and, and that distance. So he really took reins of this offense, and he really took it under his belt. He, you kind of saw the maturity that we've seen throughout the season, and a lot of his checkdowns, recognizing that AJ Green is by himself out right, recognizing. I, I think in the first quarter he changed the play, and Chase Edmonds had like a forty-yard run. Like those type of things are really starting to uh, show for Calimary. You're starting to see uh, his control, the evolution as a quarterback, and every every single week i always try to remind people especially at the national level you know they're watching the morning scramble right just don't don't always talk about what he can do on the ground because a lot of the damage that he's doing is through the air i mean he's you know, pretty poised in the pocket. He's making a lot of these vertical throws. He has vertical threats outside. And it's just impressive what he was what he was able to do. And that's why I want to go around the room and each talk about something they like from Kyler Murray. I mean, a lot of the props has to go to him in that offense. I know you talked about Spencer. I know you talked about Vance. But for him to come out in that Kyler Baker part two and put on this performance on the road, it has to be impressive. It has to put him out in front of that MVP conversation. Denny, what'd you like from Kyle?
1: Yeah, it was that Chase Edmonds run, run that really stood out to me in the beginning of the game because you're right. Kyler went up to the offensive line. He called the audible. The play clock was winding down and he, he saw the defense. He read it well and he made the change. And I think right on the nose, it's just that maturity and the confidence in what he knows that this team is capable of doing and the fact that he was able to do that. And it seemed like he was Calm throughout the game, it didn't seem like he was just throwing the ball away a lot um, because he wasn't, you know, confident mm-hmm. or, or reading things well. So I, I think that overall, I agree with what you were saying about the way he handled himself and handled this offense throughout adversity. But it was that audible on that Chase Edmonds run that stood out to me.
0: Darren, if you want to make an audible, you know the rules. But no,
3: I, I'm, sure. I'm I'm not going to audible. I I actually, for me, and you kind of touched on a little bit about. Uh, running the ball and that kind of stuff. Kyler Murray had six rushing yards yesterday, and this team was still uh, over 100 yards rushing uh, and super effective on offense and scored 37 points. That wouldn't happen last year. Last year, they were based in a large part on Kyler Murray running the ball. And if Kyler Murray couldn't run the ball, this team had a lot of trouble moving the ball. He's on pace for, I think, less than 400 yards at this point, rushing the ball. When last year, at this time, he was on pace to be over 1,000. And I think that just not only speaks to his maturity, but it it speaks to where he is as a quarterback and, and how he's seeing the field. He had two plays yesterday where he had a lot of room to run right in front of him. I mean, it was completely wide open. And he ran up in the pocket before he got to the line of scrimmage but he was running hard like he was going to take off and that's what the linebackers saw and twice he ended up throwing the pass on the move right down the middle once was to kirk for first time i'm trying to remember what the other play was but in both instances it might have been the kirk touchdown in both instances uh he kept his eyes up he chose i'm going to Look for that pass before I cross the line of scrimmage. I'm not going to run the ball because I can be effective doing it that way, and I think that has changed this offense. Again, he's not running for nearly the amount of yards he did last year. Part of it is the way the defenses have played him the last couple of weeks. They haven't allowed him to escape the pocket, But because I don't think he's afraid to, but I, I think this offense is better off that way, and if he's not throwing interceptions, which he's not right now, I think this team is in really good shape.
0: Orlando, that offensive line has been together for the past couple of years. Kyler Murray has been under center in those in those two, three years, obviously. How does that chemistry with the offensive line contribute to his performance on the field?
2: It's there guys. Uh, Max, uh, we already talked about Max, but let's, let's talk about the pressures. I mean, at one point, uh, DJ was kind of, uh, Miles Garrett was kind of getting on his, on his side and he had to create space. He had to move up into the pocket and make those throws that Darren was saying. And Danny was saying too. Uh, I like that Felipe, but what I liked about the Cleveland game was that he overcame ball security. Let's be honest. He fumbled a couple of times that, that, uh, that exchange between him and chase could have been a disaster. And he actually kind of like he, he put it in there, like really towards the end, those things you, you just do them, you react. And I think this game for him, knowing that Kingsbury wasn't there knowing that Spencer Whipple was calling was in his earpiece. It was one of those games where he had to let loose and he played loose and he played great. So I think, uh, the big, the go- the great quarterbacks in the NFL eventually have to have a, a a big input on what they do on the field, and it showed with the audibles, it showed with the ball security, it showed with kind of having that presence on, in in the pocket uh, that was actually at sometimes they were struggling on, on both sides. Beckham and Humphreys, I mean, had had two three plays there that it was just like oof, there was no space for him to kind of travel within the pocket, but he managed to do it.
0: I think I'm gonna try to talk to Kylie this week and ask him if we can add in that, you know, true or false or the carts, chatter audibles. I think that would be personally I personally would that would make my whole season if all of a sudden, you just hear like, get them be writer, vibes, be writer, you know, get, get them on vibes and, on and vibes. try to convince awesome. him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That concludes our Rise and Shine segment. Let's head over to bring home the bacon and no one better to bring home the torta, the bacon, the tamales than our own Cardinals insider, Darren Urban. Darren, are the Arizona Cardinals Super Bowl contenders through six weeks?
3: You know, the short answer is yes of course felipe because they're six and oh and they've played very good football um i hate to be this guy but i mean it's a 17-week season in 2015 uh, i thought the cardinals were the super bowl favorite as late as week 13 or 14 uh, and then they lost tyron matthew and carson palmer had his finger messed up and that kind of derailed them a little bit i mean in 2008 this team made a super bowl when they got absolutely obliterated in the next-to-last game of the season and everybody thought they were going to be a one-and-done and and they got hot at the right time. So when you start talking about Super Bowl contenders, uh, some of that has to do with where this roster is health-wise and how they're playing a long time from now. But if we're going to talk about right now, heck, yeah, they're Super Bowl contenders. They have to be. They have a very good offense. Their defense is playing excellent. Uh, they've over already overcome some injuries and other adversity where we stand at the end of December and the ver- early part of January, we'll find out. Um, but I think anybody sitting here and saying that they aren't a contender. Uh, I just think is being a little disingenuous at this point.
0: Those are called the haters Darren, <laughs> we, And I'm pretty sure we all have a lot of them. I'm trying to pull up these questions from the red sea. All right, Danny, I'll start off with you. Um, let's see what do the Cardinals need to do to not fall into the trap game underestimating the Texans in week seven.
1: Yeah. I just think whatever has been working for them to get to six and 0 we've heard them, which we heard here with pretty much any team who's on a hot streak is it's just about going one and zero every week. So that mentality has gotten this Cardinals team to become six and O. So as long as they can continue that into this week and, you know, obviously you don't want anybody to go through COVID and those protocols and losing players or coaches. But I think that that might be what they're experiencing by having some of those key players out is almost like humbling in a sense of like, we don't, we're not full strength, right? Like you, you have to continue to push through and, and find a way. And I know that I've only been here for a couple of weeks. So correct me if you guys disagree and I'm wrong, Former Texans, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, if that's been J.J. Watt, they do not seem like the kind of people that are going to get caught up and and play differently or have a different mentality because they're going against their former team. I mean, that, that, that seems like it's pretty much who they are. Am I on track with that one, Darren?
3: I, I would say that if this game would have been a trap game and it would have been probably for most any team in any other season, it's not going to be because Hop and Watt are here. And I've said that since the beginning of the season, when we all thought the Texans were going to be a poor team, this is going to mean way too much to them, and it's it's it won't be a trap game. I have absolutely zero uh, concern that it'll be a trap game. I, in some ways, I, I hope they don't over prep for this or get too hyped up. But with with Watt and Hopkins and everything that went down with that, there's there's no way, there's no way.
2: Guys, Darren, right? let's be honest. We're six and zero. The Texans got torched by the Colts. This cannot, we can't even call this a trap game. I mean, this is going to be a game where we just go full speed execute and let's take a break. Maybe in the third quarter, I would <laughs> love to see that. I would love, I to, would see, love to see that.
3: I'm not going to say it's going to happen. It is interesting. Uh, our old pal Kyle guard tweeted out that, uh, the early point spread for this is 17 and a half points. And you just don't see that in the NFL. You don't see gigantic point spreads like that. And certainly the Cardinals haven't. So uh, obviously it says to where the Cardinals are and where the Texans are. But I, I, I don't know if it'll play out like that, Rolando. I know the Cardinals probably wish it did just so they can protect some people. Um, yep. But again, I don't see when you talk about a, cra- a trap game. That's a game where you come out and you're just not prepared to play, and it's a close game the whole way through because you completely overest- or underestimated the other team. That's not going to happen. If anything, I'm looking for DeAndre Hopkins to have his biggest game of the year this week.
0: Rolando, is it a David Johnson revenge game? You know he's coming back to the valley.
2: Yeah, no, they they have they have <laughs> lots of flaws, man. Their O line is, is beat up. Their O line can't get the rhythm going they're just struggling. I mean, from the quarterback position on down, I mean, it just seems that the, it's, it's a really bad year for the Texans. So yeah, that trap game, just prepare, keep on doing what you're doing. Hopefully, you know, there's opportunities for other players. Uh, I love to see, I, I love what I saw at the end of the Browns game, even though Colt McCoy got in there a little bit and, and the, the, the second O-line, I mean, all those things, you're going to need those guys. Eventually, you, you never know what's going to happen. And the more reps they get, And the more prepared they are on game time um, uh, reps, I I think it'll definitely benefit the team. But, yeah, this game is going to be an emotional game for certain players like Danny mentioned, and I think those players are going to get us right in the winning column again.
0: Rolando, Round of applause for Danny and Darren for joining yes. the show. Yes. welcome to the morning scramble. If you were with us, we would give you some of this torta that Rolando made. But don't don't feel too bad because I haven't even had any of the six dishes that he made. I mean, he's made pancakes, he's made breakfast tacos, he's made you know ten. He made like a Tennessee
3: a there, but sandwich or something like that. It looks good.
0: Look at that, and, and he's dying to eat this as yeah, I, I am, That's obviously. The most Is this torture part? for
2: me? this is torture for me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, smelling <laughs> the torta. I want to, I want to pick at it even the bun on top, but I can't do it cause we're on
3: the morning scramble. So I gotta, I gotta be honest. I mean, I've been, uh, and I can't remember Felipe, if you were on the third floor at that point, but to have some of, uh, Rolando's carne asada has always been a treat. Oh,
2: let's tell, let's tell the people here in the morning scramble, we brought in an electric grill grill, right? And um a topper and we, we just did it up in the third floor. I think it was a little fire hazard, um might have been a little fire <laughs> hazard, but it was <laughs> before we had uh, yeah. protocols in place.
3: I, w- I was gonna say, didn't you didn't you bring in the uh the piece of giant tree to cut A it Mesquite on?
2: chopping block, Darren. Yeah. We we gave him the the taqueria experience up in the third floor. Uh yeah, it was great. Whenever you guys want to do yeah. it again, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, dang, y'all are just throwing parties up there on the third floor. Yes. Good hey, to know
0: Danny, I got kicked visit. out Danny so that, that tells you a lot <laughs> but but hopefully we get Rolando to eat his torta we'll catch you guys next week there is a Cardinals host the Houston Texans this Sunday kickoff is at 125 then catch us on the morning scramble hopefully Rolando has something else cooking up for us we'll catch you out there follow us on all social platforms at AZ Cardinals and we'll see you on Sunday